because of the kids being with us uh, this morning and walking through in the book of Acts. I wanted to spend some time with you in, in Acts chapter 2 here this morning. And uh, again, just wanting to share a, a message that I felt like uh, could really speak to uh, all of our lives in, in a way that, like I said, I think that uh, the Lord would not just, um, how would I put this, to encourage us, but to exhort us and to point us forward, even not to just the things that are taking place today uh, after the services. We're going to be enjoying lunch if you'll stick around. We've got food. We're going to have uh, a time of uh, fellowship and sharing a meal together. It's a great opportunity for us uh, to get together and, uh, again, uh, spend some time together that we haven't had uh, because of COVID. And uh, so we're in Acts chapter 2, we're going to take a look at verses uh, 40 through 47 here this morning. I, I titled it, uh, To Be Continued. And um, I wanted to open this. I've done this a, a few times here the last few weeks. And instead of it just being a monologue where you're listening, I'm giving you an opportunity to dialogue. I want you to think about for a second that phrase, to be continued. Now, growing up, you know, television was a lot different, movies uh, uh, than they are today. You know, we didn't have Netflix and YouTube and, you know, we didn't have the internet and all these abilities to, if you miss something, you could literally just, you know, click on it and you could watch it again. If you missed it, you missed it. How many remember eight-track tape players? Anybody in here? Yeah, so some of you kids, you... You are not living really today if you have not been able to enjoy an eight. You need to just go to an antique store, you young folk, and uh, check one of these things out. If you had one in your car, you just have to think about this. It might have had 10 songs, 10 songs on the eight-track tape player. And cassettes ended up doing the same thing, but cassettes got a little bit better. But if you had a favorite song, you know, if anybody gets an album, you know, most people have a favorite one or two songs that they like off that album. If you had an eight-track tape player, you know what you had to do in order to find your favorite song? Is you had to keep going. So what you would do, and, and by a show of hands, how many ever drove further than you wanted to drive just for the simple pleasure of hearing your song again? You know, I see some of your hands. Yeah. Now, I mean, technology's really changed that, right? I just remember being in my car and driving, you know, and going around the block and literally going around the block again at my house and just keep the car moving just to hear that song one more time. And then they came out with this brilliant invention called what? Fast forward. You could actually make the, the song go to the next song or skip it or, you know, go then in reverse. And yet in television, they had shows. Can you remember ever watching a, a show and it, and it, and it, we call them a cliffhanger and it gets to the very end. And then the words came up to be continued. Can you think of any right now that just come to your mind that left you hanging and you just couldn't believe when you first saw it that it said, to be continued? Anybody? Oh, uh, Dallas. Okay, Dallas did that a lot. What was another one besides Dallas? Which one? Star Trek. They did that too? I never watched Star Trek, so, okay. That's a $6 million man left you hanging? Really? So I'm just learning. That's why I wanted to know. It's like, 
Go ahead. Full house? Okay. Did it make you sad? Did it make you mad? Yeah, to be, it's like, to be continued, you know? And, and, you know, we have this thing, you know, in society where, you know, we do this deliberately. We leave, we leave things hanging to get you to come back, you know, again and again and again. It's, you know, it's the, the teaser, so to speak. And yet there's something in scripture, you know, God doesn't want us to be fearful. Uh, I, I, was, I was studying so many different things in preparation for this. I was thinking about, I, I wanted to do it because of our youth being in here. I wanted to address the issue of um, identity. You know, just the, 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 unfortunately, the things that we're suffering through today um, in trying, you know, gender identity, you know, people being confused about, you know, who they are. And, and, and it makes me sad when I see these things because the, the Bible has such simple answers. I know there's a lot of complexity and I don't want to downplay that at all because I understand there's another aspect of this and it's called mental health, mental illness. And because of our, our closeness to God and because the world in which we live in, and we do see this, scripture tells us that the longer life goes on, the more complex it's going to become because men are gonna pursue instead of God, they're going to pursue knowledge and they're going to pursue information. And so you're going to have people that are going to become very timid, very fearful. I was researching for this and uh, in, in dealing with just the topic of fear and anxiety. Uh, fear and anxiety were the number one issue during COVID, whether it was a sermon in a church, whether it was seeking professional help, whether it was just talking with you know, a counselor, the fears that have overtaken our society, even to this very day. You're watching this happen. If you watch, and it doesn't matter what news agency you watch, what is the issue that people are having right now as our country begins to open back up? It's fear. And, and these, these questions come up about vaccination. Should I be vaccinated? Should I not? And what we're finding is this polarization again, you know, with everything in our, in our society. But there's something behind it. There's something deeply spiritual for one. But on another front, uh, again, besides just being spiritual, we see things that are political and, and we see things that are, you know, we talk about indoctrination versus education. And these are all really important things. And it's one of the, the reasons I'm so blessed like you that we have kids uh, in our church that, you know, are solid. And they're solid because they're being raised in, in solid Christian homes. That doesn't mean that we don't have our struggles. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. We are far from it. But we recognize that there is truth and there is a lie. And God's word is truth. And Jesus told us something that we're celebrating today. He said, the truth you'd know and the truth will what? It'll set you free. And so as we make a, a, a commitment, you know, to, you know, like I said, the world loves the suspense. They love to leave you hanging. God doesn't leave us hanging at all. Jesus said, you know, the things that I've told you, you know, uh, in the dark, you know, repeating the light with the things that, you know, make it known in the world. There was nothing hidden. There's no, there's no secret message for believers. He wants everybody to understand and to know. There, there's a, a responsibility that we all have as believers in this world today. I shared with you, you know, last week, we were, we were born into this world. God gave us life because he loves us. He, he's not needing you or I to go do his work for him. It's a pleasure for us. And I could have titled this today, you know, uh, 
and I have in my notes, you know, four reasons we need church, but it's not that in the sense that we need church, you know, and somebody said, do I have to go to church? No, you don't have to go to church. It should be, can I go to church? Because when you start looking at all the things that are happening in society today, the mental health issues, uh, the loss of identity, those things are happening because people have lost touch with God. See, when, if you want to understand yourself, the, the way to understand yourself isn't to, you know, do your ancestry, you know, dot com and try to figure out, you know, your DNA. Uh, what you would do well to do is to find out who God is. See, because when you start to understand who God is, then you will discover who you are. And not only will you discover who you are, but you'll discover whose you are. You know, one of the things that I, I'm always excited when we study the book of Revelation is to think that, you know, you have a name. You know, your parents, when you were born into this world, they, they gave you a name. Somebody named you. But yet God has a name for you as well, a name that nobody else knows. And so we understand that God isn't just collectively into the church, so to speak. He's into you personally. I shared that a couple Wednesdays ago on the romance of God. You know, that there's a, in a sense, a non-sexual but romantic relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. He's pursuing us. He desires a relationship with each and every person. That, that's his desire. But yet he created us in love. And love wouldn't be love if there was no choice. And so people have the opportunity, they have the freedom, they have the choice to choose to love God back. And I'm so thankful that, you know, I get to be in a church where so many people love God. See, some people come to church because they like potlucks. That's why they come. They go, you know, it's not that they care about the people at all. They care about, you know, they care about the food. They go, hey, you know, that is that lady uh, who makes that, da-da-da, is she going to be cooking? I mean, we'll have people ask that. How about that lady who makes those dessert things? Is she coming today? Is she going to be making? What is she making? You know, and that. And you go, they love that. And yet there, But there are some people that go, you know, I, I love God. And I love when I come to church, I get a glimpse. Because, see, each and every one of us was created in the image of God. Nobody in and of themselves has the full, complete revelation of God. We have him completely in us, but we're all members of the body of Christ. You know, so you're, you're like a, a diamond, you might say, and there's a, there's a facet of your life that's reflected off of the light of Jesus Christ that's reflected off of someone else, and it creates the brilliance that we get to see. But we need each other. That, that's really what you know, the gospel is all about, is our understanding that we need God and that we need one another, that no man's an island. And when we live in a world that becomes so self-absorbed, when it, when it takes its eyes off of God, we're, we're watching. You and I are seeing, and it's so sad. I mean, we, it's like Jesus. Remember when, you know, again, he revealed himself, you know, to Israel and, and as their Messiah, first to Israel, right? First to, again, the lost sheep, it says of the house of Israel, the book of Romans, which after our study in Philippians, we'll have a little break there, and then we're going to go into the book of Romans. And the book of Romans makes it really clear that the promise of salvation was first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. We were grafted into the promise of God because of the unbelief of Israel. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful gift that we have. And so again, it's not something that God forces upon us, but it's something that uh, we should uh, take to heart and enjoy. When I, when I think of the book of Acts, you know, I, I'm reminded, and I want to encourage you as you read through this, this is the to be continued, okay? The book of Acts doesn't come to an end. You know, chapter 28 turns really into chapter 29, which is you and me today. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a beautiful work because what it tells us, uh, again, is the triumphant story of, of God's love, of winning the world 
to, to Jesus Christ through ordinary men and women, ordinary young people who are filled with an extraordinary power that comes from God himself. That you, We can't live this life on our own. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling because you're trying to live the Christian life, but you're trying to do it in your own strength. And the Bible says it's impossible. It's a gift from God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And when I think about all these things, whether it's gender identity, whether it's fear and anxiety and worry, those things are conquered, church, by the power of the Holy Spirit living in each and every one of us. That's how we overcome this world. The Bible makes it perfectly clear. You know, John, John tells us there's no fear in love. For perfect love casts out fear. A lot of times what people are they're afraid of is they're the, uh, the fear of loss. That was the number one issue during COVID, the fear of loss, whether it was the loss of your life or the loss of someone that you love. It was the fear of losing something. Where Jesus made it perfectly clear, you can't lose. You know, I love that, you know, Jim Elliott, the great missionary who gave his life uh, on the mission field. He said, he's no fool who gives away that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he who believes in me will what? Never die. And we know that the disciples understood that, and they believed it because it radically changed their lives. It changed them from who they were to who God desired them to be. You know, Matthew chapter 28 tells us this, and most of us are so familiar with this in verses 18 through 20, and I'll read to you Acts chapter 2. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And you think about that. that those were Jesus' last words in the gospel account, right? Uh, and telling us, you know, to be continued. What he began was to be continued through the church. I mean, and to think about that today, I mean, all the things that are changing, I mean, think what happened during COVID and think of the, the, the faithfulness of God. He, he, what did Jesus tell Peter? He said, upon this confession, upon this rock, the rock of who Jesus is, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will what? not prevail against. Did, did the gates of hell prevail against the church during COVID? Not at all. What did the church do? Even when there was legislature against the church, what ultimately happened? The church prevailed. And God has always been and always will be faithful. So it's one of the great blessings we have as the church is to be reminded of who we are. Because again, what we're finding in our culture today, there's this thing that most of us weren't even familiar with a year ago in the truest sense of what was taking place in our educational system was it no longer was educating, but it became indoctrination. It, and simply what I mean by indoctrination by definition is when you're told something that you can't disagree with. You're not allowed to think for yourself and come to a conclusion. That's education where, where information, factual or otherwise, is presented and you have the ability to reason and to uh, come to a conclusion. But to indoctrinate you is a forced response. It's a forced conclusion that you really you have no say-so whatsoever to be uh, ultimately accepted in our society. And that's the dilemma that even we'll face as a church. One of the things that we've seen throughout history is called martyrdom where the church has been persecuted and Christians have been put to death because they wouldn't compromise their belief. 
And we, we're finding today that pressure is arising. We're not seeing in the United States, but martyrdom in the world, there's more people dying in the last hundred years than there was the last 3,000 years. It's still there. It's still prevalent, but it, we're seeing it in the United States like never before. J.B. Phillips pointed out in his commentary, he said this, he said, any small body of ordinary people so moved the world that their enemies could say with tears of rage in their eyes that these men have turned the world upside down. And he was talking about the book of Acts. He said, you know, there was no comparable period of human history uh, like what took place in the book of Acts, that even the enemies of the cross with tears, like I said, of rage in their eyes would look and say, but they're turning the world upside down. And how are they doing it? Because they refuse to give in. You know, we think about, you know, the issues of mental health. And I think about, you know, what does the Bible tell us? You know, the Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, Romans chapter 12, right? It says, but be what? Transformed. So if you're struggling today with your identity, if you're struggling with who you are in Christ, the Bible doesn't discount you. It doesn't kick you to the curb. There's an invitation is to bring those hurts, those pains, those confusions to God who is not the author of confusion, and to allow his word to transform your very life, to understand and believe that his word is truth. It's proved itself out time and time again. You can trust it. You can stand on it. You can rely on it. Jesus said, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my word, what? Never going to pass away. Yeah. Think of all the changes, you know, that have happened in the world just in the last year, but the word of God is constant, but it's under attack, isn't it? And it's under attack like never before. So how did a small group of 120 in an upper room, how did they turn the world upside down? And is there anything that we can glean from their lives in studying this? And again, because we're here, both you know, young and old alike, there is some things in Scripture, I think, that are so obvious to us when we look at the book of Acts. Look at with me there in Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 47. We'll read it, and then we'll just take a moment and pray. It says this. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved. This is Peter talking. It says, be saved from this perverse generation. And you thought our generation was perverse. It says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. It says, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So let me be real clear here. This is not communism. Okay, a better word would be called commonism. Okay, not taken by force. People just said, hey, there's a need. You know, it's kind of like, have you ever said to somebody, hey, me casa, you casa, to your friends, like, hey, what's mine, yours? And then they actually take you up on it and you go, no, 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 yeah. No, it says, and so they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And Father, as we just read these few passages, Lord, may we both young and old alike glean the truth that you'd have for us. That those things that, uh, Lord, you did as you walked upon this earth and as the apostles and the early disciples did, uh, Lord, we, we recognize today they're to be continued. They, they were not to come 
to an end. They're to continue in and through my life, our life. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And so, Lord, we celebrate that today, that you who began this good work are faithful, Lord, to complete it. And so we appreciate, uh, as we uh, thank you so much for our military personnel who have sacrificed their lives, Lord, that we could enjoy freedom today. We also thank you for the soldiers of our faith that likewise laid down their lives. God, that we could know these truths today. And may we not take them for granted. And may we not live a life that's not appreciative, Lord, of the freedoms that we have in this country and even in our faith today. Thank you for our founding fathers, Lord, who recognized, Lord, your hand, even in our money that we would say, in God we trust, that, Lord, may we be able to say that afresh today, in God we trust. We love you. We thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for our, our young people today. We thank you for our worship team leading us in worship. Lord, our hearts are encouraged because of them. Lord, may you put a hedge of protection, Lord, about their lives. May they continue, uh, Lord, in the faith. Uh, Lord, may they prosper in those things that they put their hands to. Lord, for our babies and, and uh, Lord, as they continue to grow, uh, may they grow up in homes where marriages are strong. Lord, where they see uh, the reflection of Christ and the way that a husband would love his wife like Christ loves the church. And may children grow up in homes where uh, love is demonstrated, where there's sacrifice. And so they see uh, scripture being lived out as we prefer others, even over ourselves. And so, Lord, thank you for the home. Thank you for the family. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the family of God, Lord. All these things that point us to your love and your care for us. To you be the glory today. Thank you for what you'll do in, in an after service today, just in helping us maybe meet somebody that we've never met before, just connecting, hearing someone else's story. God, uh, may you knit our hearts together. Lord, may we bring pleasure to your heart today. Uh, may we be a, a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. So, you know, you look there in verse 40 and you know, it says, and with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted saying, be saved from this perverse generation. You think about, you know, the language that he's using there. Um, you know, he's, he's talking to uh, this current generation who's obviously responsible for killing the son of glory. That's what he's speaking of. He said this perverse generation. I mean, what they did to Jesus. I mean, the, what not only the Jews and what the, the Romans did, but just the people themselves. And so, uh, we look at that word there, and, and, and though it was speaking of them specifically, we could also say that, you know, it speaks of any uh, person, any group of people who reject uh, Jesus Christ as, as Savior, as Messiah. Uh, the Bible makes that clear, that the, that's a perverse thought, that's a crooked thought. And, and again, now, do we, do we condemn people for that? And you go, no, that's why we're here. We're here to share the truth, that, uh, the truth they'd know, and like I said, the truth would set them free. And, and you think about, you know, Peter, and there, there's something about this. You know, Peter, you, you recall, you know, we think about identity and we think about fear and all these anxiety. You know, Peter failed miserably up to this point, right? He denied Jesus, not once, twice, but three times. Uh, he stood before a young girl and, and, and claimed to not even know Jesus and attacked her, you know. Uh, he would say one moment say something that was so theologically, you know, sound, and then the next moment say something that was so carnal and so fleshy that even Jesus rebuked him. I mean, we, I mean, some of us can relate to Peter in that regard. 
And you go, Peter was just all over the place, you might say, like a ship without a rudder. And maybe you can relate to Peter, but something happened. Something changed in Peter's life. And we call it Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit came upon Peter's life and it changed him. You can be a changed person today. And, and again, and I can't stress this enough because of looking back over the past year and seeing in the church, I'm, we, I'm, not, I'm not looking at the world at all. I'm looking at the church and how much fear gripped the church. And the church is nothing more than people, as opposed to walking in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit in our life, of being secure you know, in our faith. There was, there was tremendous fear, crippling fear. And so we're reminded, you know, again, of the power of, of the Holy Spirit in our life that's available to each and every person. It, again, it's not just being sealed and saved by the Holy Spirit, but being, as we see, this was a distinct separate event. Jesus said, not many days from now, you'll be endued with power from on high. And as they waited on the Lord, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And you think about that, that word, you know, dunamis, dynamic, it's where we get the English word dynamite, the, the power of God uh, to conquer anything, any fear, any anxiety, any worry. And, and again, there's so many, you know, things that are being taught and so many things that are being stated out, you know, in the world today is to pull that back and to be reminded, you know, afresh today that we have a strength that's not our own. You weren't called to, to make this stand in the Christian faith, you know, on your own two feet. You know, it's when we're weak that we become strong in him. Amen. It's when we confess our need for a savior. That's why Jesus came. We're sinners. Jesus is a savior. He was the promised Messiah. It says in verse 41, it says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And what really, what was the portrait of baptism? Remember, it was a death to self. It was to signify a grave, that water, they would go under that water, that they no longer existed. And when they came out of that water, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us what? Therefore, if any person is in Christ Jesus, they are what? A new creation, old things have what? Passed away. And behold, you come out of that water and all things have become new. A new creation in Christ. I, I can't think, church, of a, of a better life verse, you know, for, for someone who's struggling with their identity. Someone who is going, man, you know, what's my purpose? You know, why am I here? All the questions that are being asked by the world and even many in the church today. What is my purpose? Why am I here? And, and, and if you could lock in on those words, to be continued, because what God began to do in Christ, he still desires to do in and through you and I today. It hasn't changed. It's, there's, there's no new philosophy, no new methodology. It worked then, it works today. You know, again, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in a changing world, guess what? I love that. I love that, that you can always find God whenever you seek for him. Amen. The Bible makes it perfectly clear. If you will seek him with all of your heart, you'll find him each and every time when you seek him with all of your heart. He doesn't move, okay? And, and, I, and I love that about him. So how, how did God do it? When you think about this, how did 3,000 souls, how were they added to the church that day? I mean, did they have a bus ministry? Or back then, it would have, it would have, been, a, it would have been a mule ministry, right? Uh, 
an ox cart? I mean, what what did they do? And did people just all of a sudden get up and they just, you know, they had no control and it was like night of the zombies and they just, you know, they just walked into the church that day and just, I don't know what happened. I just got up. I always, I always love that though. When, when someone does that, they'll come to church and they go, this just happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And someone said, you know, I, I, Pastor Mike, and they, they were emphatic and I didn't, I didn't discount what they were saying at all. They came up after the first service and they go, Pastor Mike, I just want you to know, I, God had me come to church today. And I think that every week of every person, but I, I get it. They go, God had me come to church today. And I go, okay. I go, awesome. And they go, no, no. I was like on the other side of town. And they go, and God told me to go to Calvary Chapel Bakersfield and to tell you something. And, and uh, so I go, okay, I hope it's good. <laughs> you know, and it was, you know, and it was, it was encouraging, but it was just one of these things. It was like, you know, God, God, you know, told me. And they go, man, they literally were on the other side of town and they drove all the way over here to come to church. And they said that they'd been listening to the radio program and uh, they just wanted to encourage me. They go, you know, I, I mean, just teach the truth. Just tell the truth. Just tell them the truth. That's all they need. And praise God. You know, that's, you know, thank God for Calvary Chapel. Just give them the word of God. Tell them the truth, you know. And it was just, you know, again, one of those things that's encouraging. You go, but it's a work of God's spirit. It, it's what God does. It, we don't have to improve it. Uh, we don't make the word of God relevant. It is relevant, okay? And, and what we need to do is trust it. It, it is it, it's not only perfect in every way, shape, and form. It's relevant for today. It's still saving people. It's still working in people's yeah. lives. You know, so real quickly here then, four reasons why we need church. Look at that in verse 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. It's like, you know, a four-legged table, okay? And you take any one of those legs out, you know, and, the, and it'll collapse. You know, it's been well said if today, if the church did away with 50% of the things that the activities of the local church, would anybody even notice, right? But if you took away anything of these four in the early church, would the church have even continued to exist? And probably the answer is no. And yet these are the essentials you might say. So when you come back to, you know, hey, what is life all about? What is church to be all about? This, this is what church is to be about. This is why we should be coming on a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, whenever the church will gather, whenever you can get people together, is a commitment to these four things. The first reason we need church, you could say, is we need God's truth then, right? I, I love that word continue. You know, again, what does it mean to continue in something? Obviously, it means to never stop, right? And, and God has not called us to ever stop doing these things. These are the commitments of our life. Never stop learning, okay? Never stop growing. Never stop seeking God. And they continued what? It says in doctrine, okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. So they were what? They were a learning church. They brought Bibles to church with them. Uh, they had notes. They didn't just listen in a service. They, they literally, they came seeking, you know, truth. And there's things, I mean, and trust me, I'm not much different than any of you. I'll, I'll be listening to something and the Holy Spirit will quicken something to my mind. And almost every time I go, oh, I'll remember that. Guess what? I forget it. I do. I forget it. And it doesn't matter how many times, you know, I'll, I'll remember that. You go, no, the Holy Spirit is a still small voice. And when you have that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, you come with that kind of 
expectation because you believe that God wants to speak to you and he does want to speak to you and he wants to give you specific direction, not just general direction, but he cares about your life. He cares about the things that are going on in your life. And so here was a church, like I said, that was studying. They were digging deep into the things of God. And, and again, and it was demonstrated, what? In the way that they lived their life. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16, it says, but to each one, it says of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. It says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. So this is talking about Jesus' death. Before he went to heaven, it says he went into Abraham's bosom and those that were there that were awaiting his resurrection, it says, then he led them into glory at that point. It says, but that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He descended as also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And the point in that is this, in verse 11, it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for what? The equipping of the saints. See, a lot of people look at it and they go, oh, you know, it's the pastor's job to do all the things that in the life of the church. No, the Bible says, for the equipping of the saints, who are the saints? It's not a football team. That's you. Yeah, you. Saints. The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, it says, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That means there's going to be work that needs to take place in all of our lives. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him, speaking of Jesus, who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So I want you to correlate this with the book of Acts. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In other words, to be continued. What happened then was to be continued today. What, what happened in the life of Christ and in the early church is still to continue today. Every one of us here today has a very, very important role in advancing the kingdom of God in our lives individually and collectively. And so what do they do? You know, number one, they needed to go to church to what? To grow in the knowledge of God. It's not going to happen any other way. If you're not reading the Bible, if you're not studying the Bible, it's not, it doesn't happen by osmosis, okay? And then you look at all the things. People go, I'm too busy. I'm too, and you look at how crazy the world is getting today because it's ever-changing, is to come back to that thing which never changes. His word will never change. What I'm telling you today won't change a week from now. It won't change five years from now. It won't change 20 years from now. And that's the, the, that's the difficulty. We live in a world that is constantly looking for something new, okay? I love what John Corson would remind us. He said, if it's, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new, okay? Very simple to hold on to. Number two is continue, not just in doctrine, but continue in fellowship. Why? Because we need God's people. Just what I just read to you in Ephesians 4. We need one another. You'll never be what God intends you to be on your own. It's virtually impossible. You couldn't be born into this world without first being born into a family. That was God's intent all along. 
You know, we are not self-created. There is no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Everybody brings something to the body of Christ. We need somebody to make us to be part of a family. You know, we all have a desire deep within us that, you know, is asking the question, you know, they say psychologically when you walk into a church, the very first question that you ask of yourself is, is there anybody else here like me? You know, we, we go back to the very creation of Adam. You know, it says, and there was none like Adam. There was none. We, we pick up on that very quickly. Am I accepted here? Am I loved here? Do I, do I belong here? And again, there, there's another word for fellowship is the word community, okay? You know, God created the church for fellowship, for community. It meets a basic human need, and God knew it. God knows exactly what we need. Matter of fact, the Bible says he knows what we need even before we ask, and he cares. That Greek word koinia, it means fellowship, right? Coyness, commonness. It's sharing something, you know, with others. You think about, you know, what God desires with our fellowship. Fellowship is also what? It's the evidence of God's new life within us. That, you know, again, you go, man, I used to just, you know, I didn't like people. I didn't like being around people and da, 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 da. And all of a sudden you go, man, I just have this need to be around my brothers and sisters in Christ. I have a need for fellowship. One of the things that I so appreciated during COVID was hearing from so many people that once this freedom, maybe even luxury that we had as gathering as a church was taken from us, that man, all of a sudden what happened? It started to play havoc on people's spirit and on their soul, their well-being, because we weren't created. Hell is isolation, right? Yeah. We weren't created to be isolated. And we got a taste of that. And I hope that, you know, we do everything within our power to fight against that if it was to ever happen again. That you can take a lot of things away, but you are not going to take away our ability to gather. God promised that. He gave us that right. And, and no government, no individual people. I mean, that, that, those are hills to die on there. Because so many people did die and are still dying because of the ramifications. I mean, we talk about post-traumatic stress syndrome. You look at that, and it's not just a military issue. There's many in the world today because of COVID now and the things that were, you know, populated in the media that they live in complete fear. They, they are crippled mentally and spiritually and many within the church itself. And it's so sad. And so what do we do? Like Jesus, I mean, he looked out over Jerusalem. It says he wept. They wept. That we weep. We're not standing in judgment over those that are suffering. Our heart breaks for them. But it's why fellowship is so important. And again, and it's not to take that fellowship lightly because some people, as they come in you know, to the church, I mean, they're in pain. They're hurting. And that's all the more reason to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to recognize the gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom and knowledge and discernment. You know, again, it's not just that we're, you know, we're, you know, we talk about just you know, loving people and being nice. You go, sometimes what people need you know, is to be exhorted. Sometimes what they need to do is be rebuked. They need to be corrected. We get half of the equation, but, you know, again, the full counsel of God is what we need, being loved through that. And yet, you know, you see, you know, it's not, do I have to go to church? It really is. 
I get to go to the church. They, they loved church so much that it wasn't even a, a weekly thing. It says they met what? Daily from house to house. They didn't have to meet daily. They chose to meet daily. They wanted to meet daily. And so they devoted themselves. I love that word devotion. There was, I always love that. You know, people used to say, hey, uh, there, you know, there's no such thing as a lone ranger, you know, uh, mentality in the church. And you think about it and you go, why? And you go, well, because even the lone ranger had what? He had Tonto. So, you know, people, oh, they're just, you're just being a lone ranger. And you go, no, that doesn't even work because there is somebody. God wants everybody to have somebody in their life. First Corinthians 12, 26 puts it like this. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, I mean, where's the place you want to go? When you get a new car, don't you want to come to church on Sunday so that everybody can hate you? You know, because you, hey, you want to see my new car? They go, oh, shut up. I hate you. You know, it's like, you go, no, it's, what does it prove out? It's easier for us to sorrow with people that sorrow than it is to rejoice with people that are rejoicing, right? Because then we covet everything that they have, you know. But uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 puts it like this, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible because I, I, through the years, I've got to be on both sides of that blessing. See, it's not that if you've been through a hard thing, just telling your story is what's comforting to other people. That's not what he's saying at all. He says, we're comforted with the comfort of God. What you're telling people is not, because I can't necessarily relate to your pain, even if you and I go through similar pains, right? But God can. And so what I'm telling you is that the God of all comfort who comforted me, if he'll comfort me, guess what? He'll comfort you. And so the encouragement isn't, hey, you know, you can get through it because I got through it. You go, no, that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying is God will be there. The same way God is there for me, God will be there for you. Draw close to him. And you know, we forget that. And so we need brothers and sisters in Christ who are doing what? Not going, hey, come and I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll meet with you. I'll do this. You go, no, we're pointing people to Jesus, amen, who's there 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year. The throne of grace, the invitation, the writer of Hebrews says, is come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of what? Need. He'll never turn you away. That's the beauty of it. Hey, you can call my phone. It'll go to voicemail. You know, you, and you know God has a phone number, by the way, so if you want to write this down. What is it? It's Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show you great and mighty things, things that you know not of. So I always tell people that. Hey, God has a phone number. Jeremiah 33.3. Remember, you, well, that'd be really, you'd have to be really older to know when phone numbers were that short. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless. Number three. What they continue on in? The breaking of bread. Now, that wasn't just the Lord's Supper and communion. That was also breaking bread like we're getting to do today after service. You can hang around if you'd like, enjoy in, in a meal. That was called a love feast or an agape feast. But it got so out of hand, you remember Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that they discontinued him because what would happen is they'd get in line and, you know, they'd go, hey, I look, and there's only four large chicken breasts. So, you know, four people are fighting over who gets to be at the front of the line. So, you know, the pastors would go to the front of the line and they let everybody else be at the back. So they just finally, listen, this isn't working out the way God intended, you know, and it's still, it happens because why you go, because people are selfish. 
And so this practice, you know, ultimately came to an end. But did God intend it to come to an end? You go, absolutely not. No, we would continue in that, that we would break bread, that we would share in communion. We do that usually the first Sunday and the first Wednesday of the month, you know, as a church, but we do them all the time in different Bible studies. You can do it anytime that you'd like at home. But to participate, you know, in communion is, is so powerful. And you go, why, why is it? Because it provides for us a sense of God's purpose in our life. And you go, think about that. We all want to know, what is my purpose here? And communion is one of those places where we experience it. Because Jesus himself, he took that bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And he took that cup and he said, this is the, my, my blood was shed for you. We can know the forgiveness of our sin. We can also know the fact that God chose us in Christ, that there's a purpose for our life. You, you're not an accident that he chose you for himself. I mean, he's rescued you for himself. He's coming back for you for himself. That as Paul would write to the church in Thessalonica, that you and I could be what? The sound of that trumpet will be caught up together to be with who? It doesn't say one another. It says to be with the Lord forever. You'll be, when someone passes from this life who is a believer, we say, oh, they're at home with who? The Lord. You go, yes, there, there's all, you know, there are loved ones who, who love God are there too. You go, but our, our primary relationship is unto God himself. I mean, people, you know, they struggle with, you know, we talk about identity. They go, where, where did I come from? You know, why am I here? And communion, that's really the root of it is communion with God, is understanding to be born. You know, as Jesus would say in, to Nicodemus, he said, that which is born of the flesh is the flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. To be born again is to be born of God. And one of the issues that we're having in our world today in this identity crisis is because people don't know who they are in Christ Jesus. They didn't know that God had a plan for them. They didn't know that before they were ever even born that God knew them and that he fashioned them and he fashioned them for himself. Not that they could be a slave to him, but that he could love them that he could reveal himself to them, that they could know God, that word gnosko. And we use it in the sense gnosko means to know as a man would know a woman face to face. God wants us to know him. Again, not sexually, but that we would know him intimately. God wants you to know him. And one of the best ways that he reveals that to us is through those moments in communion. I mean, usually through the years, communion services were always the most attended of all the services that we had. You knew when it was communion Sunday, if you said, hey, it's the first Sunday of the month, people, they'll miss, you know, the second, third, fourth, but they would not miss the first because there is a dynamic within that is to be reminded of his love for you and what he went through to save your life, the value and the worth that you have to God. And number four, we can continue on in, in prayer, praying not only to God, but praying with one another. You know, you, you'll never really appreciate someone's life until you spend time praying with them. You know, it's more intimate than, than even a sexual relationship within marriage is the intimacy of, of being, you know, connected, not just physically, but to be connected spiritually and emotionally. It's, it's, it, it supersedes everything else. It's, it's so profound and so powerful, so intimate. And to think that we have that, that opportunity, you know, and what does prayer do? When you think about that, prayer expresses what? My dependence upon God. It's why, you know, most of us, if we admitted, we'd go, I probably don't pray as much as I need to. And you go, why? And you go, because 
I don't recognize my dependence upon God. I rely oftentimes on my own strength, my own ingenuity, my own ability. And God becomes, instead of my, my first priority, he becomes that, you know, when everything else has failed, then I run to God in prayer, asking God to save me and to rescue me. And guess what? He does all those things. But that's not his desire. His desire ultimately is that we would commune with him, that I'd come to him in worship of him, recognizing who he is, that I would come to him for, for guidance, like I said, for protection, for uh, preservation. I love that expression. You know, again, the family that prays together does what? Stays together. Yeah. Yeah. Praying for forgiveness, you know, when there's brokenness, you know, in, in our relationships, coming before one another humbly before God and allowing God to restore us. Verse 43 goes on, it says, Then fear came, it says, upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And that fear, again, it wasn't a fear of God's judgment. It was just a reverential fear, the appreciation for who God is, just being so keenly aware of God's presence. I mean, I know we can come to church and our minds can be other places. We can literally be other places. Like I said, with electronic you know, technology, you could be fulfilling your lunch order right now or shopping, you know, online somewhere or playing a game or just reading, you know, whatever's going on in your, you know, stock portfolio or all kinds of things. But not then, not there in the early church. You know, wonders were, were miracles that uh, got people's attention. It made people wonder, you know, when you think about it, you know, and then signs were what? They were miracles that pointed you in a direction that God wanted you to go pointed you ultimately to God himself and to think, you know, God was doing those things then. He's still doing those things today. But we need to be praying constantly, God, give me eyes to see and give me ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because I, I guarantee you, every time we come together, the Holy Spirit is moving and desires to do something. I've shared with you before and I'll share with you again. Your greatest sin and my greatest sins are not the sins of commission. What I mean by that is not the things that you did, Okay. Your greatest sins are the sins of omission. They're the things that you failed to do. You can read Matthew 24 and 25 and maybe get a better understanding of that because we can be so attuned to ourselves and what you know, we think God is saying and what we think God is doing that we miss out completely on actually what God is doing, what he's up to. Again, he's a still small voice. Again, and so it's learning how to those who what, wait upon the Lord. Is there anybody here that likes to wait besides me? Yeah. 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 I don't wait well at all. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And that's why we need to come together to remind each other, hey, hey, you know, God's in this. He's in this. He's in this. Verse 44 and 45, it goes on. It says, and now all who believe were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst all as anyone had need. Like I said, this wasn't communism. This was communism. It wasn't forced. Uh, it, was, it was simply those that were voluntarily surrendering uh, their items. And, and not everybody did it because if everybody gave up everything they had, how could they have continued to meet house to house? So it wasn't that everybody did it, but many did. And it's the same thing that happens today. It's not equal giving, it's just equal sacrifice. And the beauty of that is, you know, the Lord will move in people's lives the way that he intends. Verse 46 goes on, it says, and so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And that's really my hope for us today, you know, as we, as we go out and enjoy lunch is that we would just 
enjoy our food today with gladness and simplicity of heart, knowing that God's in control, that all these things that are happening in the world, I mean, most of the things that we worry about never come to pass. You know, so why do we worry? You know, the Bible invites us to not worry, but to do what? To cast all of our cares upon him because he cares about us. And then you just have, you know, moments where you're able to, like I said, enjoy other people to, as they say, stop and smell the roses. Well, you know, uh, like I said, on your deathbed, you're never going to look back and go, man, I wish I'd have worked more. I wish I'd have put more time into doing this and this and this. On our deathbeds, you know, all we'll wish that we had was more time with those that we love. And so, you know, I hope that, you know, as we have these opportunities, you know, as a church, you know, we're not doing them all the time, but when we have our one service Sunday, uh, we'll do them this way where we cancel the 8.30 and just do the 10.30 and then we'll do other ones where we'll cancel the 10.30 and we'll have it at the 8.30 where we can prefer each other, you know, in love. But I really appreciate the fact that, you know, you guys are here together. Hopefully, like I said, of all the things, you know, as Larry and Ron and myself would wish for our church is just that we'd have the opportunity in moments like this to to meet and, and to get to know people that we don't normally associate with. Because it's even, we can be guilty of that at church. We could just run in our little circle, you know, create our own little clique, you might say, you know, and forget that we are the body of Christ. And so, you know, again, to see all the parts coming together. And so we try to create opportunity to be able to do that. And hopefully today is one of those days where uh, we can. And it just closes with this. And this would be the ultimate end where it says, in praising God and having favor with all the people. You know, Jesus said it best. He said, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another, right? It's not rocket science, but it is dedication and it is a commitment. It says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And how did he do it? Because those that were going to the church took that life in Christ seriously and they shared that life with other people. You know, as I shared with you in Matthew 28 is that we take it to heart People aren't going to hear about Jesus unless we say something about Jesus. There is no such thing as a silent witness. You know, people go, oh, we'll just, you know, live it out. And you go, that's not how the gospel goes forth. The gospel goes forth by proclamation. It's demonstrated in the way that we live, but it has to be spoken. Romans chapter 10 makes it perfectly clear. How will they hear unless somebody tells them? And they won't. And so there's people in our lives today, and, you know, may God use us. Uh, in a profound way this next year as we come out of this COVID environment. And there's many people that are seeking, they're searching. The world's getting darker, but the church is just getting brighter. I, I truly believe, as I believe many of you do, our best days are still in front of us. Again, amen. So again, uh, enjoy this day. That's, that's why the Lord has set it aside for us. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, be glad in it. I can't think of a better day if you've yet to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Uh, maybe you're here and maybe something right at the very beginning of the service, you know, thinking about anxiety and worry and fear and those things are gripping your life. And then you look at, you know, what happens, you know, in a Pentecostal experience when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person's life uh, and you go, man, I want that for myself. You go, you can have that. It's a gift from God. As you open your heart to him, he will fill you with his spirit, but you need to invite no one can invite him for you that's something that he says i stand at the door of your heart and i knock if you'll open up your heart to him he will come in and he will make your heart his home and he will lead you and he will guide you and he will be with you and all the things that in the sense that you have struggled with to this point will just simply melt away as you continue to walk with him now does that mean that we never have a struggle again no no that just means we're on the right path and ultimately one day all these things uh, 
will fall off and uh, we will ultimately in the very end, not only will be not just resurrected, but ultimately will be glorified uh, in him. And so that's our hope that that becomes our prayer. It's our prayer for you today. So enjoy this time. Thank you for, for being here. Let's stand together and we'll pray. Invite the, the kids to come back up and, and send us out in song. Hopefully you've brought, got some uh, bathing suits today. I think it's warm enough. Um, if you didn't bring a bathing suit, I don't know how close we really want to be as a family. All I know is one of our trips to Israel, our tour guide, you know, he had those European men's briefs on that were colored. So it kind of looked like a speedo and uh, he went swimming you know, on our trip and that, that picture still etched in my mind. So <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of the church, Lord. And, and may we look at our own lives today. Maybe there's an area where, uh, Lord, we need to have you touch us afresh. Maybe it's the doctrine, our commitment to just studying the word. Maybe we come to church, but we're not really digging in as deep as, Lord, we need to. Uh, we're not really, uh, we'd say, maybe prepared or equipped to be able to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to become people who are even more and more committed to correct teaching and doctrine as your word declares and and fellowship lord i thank you that lord this church really does i believe a, a good job with fellowship there's so much that goes on in and out the throughout the week uh, you walk into a service and there's just people that just genuinely love and care for each other uh, lord they they're here for one another not just in service but throughout the week and uh, lord help us to to grow in our fellowship and uh, Lord, with communion and the breaking of bread and just sharing in meals together, uh, Lord, just thank you. Thank you that, God, you, you know what all of our needs are. And thank you that you've provided that in one another. And may we just appreciate uh, what you have done for us on the cross. Lord, and again, if there's any that need you today as Savior and Lord, may they not leave this place without receiving the forgiveness of their sin and the new life that's theirs in Christ. And then may we be able to just sit around and, and, and hear, Lord, how you're changing people's lives, how you're changing our homes, Lord. And then prayer of all the things that, Lord, we could uh, become better at. Uh, Lord, I know for myself, the, this is the area of my life where I lack. It's, it's prayer. It's just being completely dependent upon you, coming to you for guidance and, Lord, for protection and, uh, Lord, just for just genuine fellowship, just communion with you as I worship you. And so, Lord, help us to, to look at those things and, uh, uh, Lord, sure those things up that we would continue, uh, Lord, uh, the way that you desire us to. We love you today. We thank you so much for an opportunity. Now just enjoy this afternoon together. And, uh, Lord, may you be glorified in your church this week. May you grow your church this week. Use us, Lord, as we go from this place. Help us to plant seed and to water it in other people's lives until all the world has heard about the love of Christ, Lord. Help us to not become fearful or timid, uh, Lord, with the pressures of this world, but be not conformed, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. We love you and we bless you as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much and enjoy, enjoy lunch.